What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Anna Creates Podcast. My name is Alex Krotz. I am your host. And today we are talking about space in a mix because, well, okay, recently I had an episode. Well, it was a little while ago now. I get, well, a month ago. Anyway, I had an episode with my friend Jay Real on the podcast. And at the end, one of the things I asked him was I said, hey, what's, a, what's one thing that you wish you would know or, if, or would have known when I started would have known when you started that's like a key thing to really help I got this space is your best friend see it's like you've been waiting for that question for months or years like they've been built in, building up to this point but anyway I agree wholeheartedly and he goes into explaining what that meant and basically when you're producing when you're working on a track, Giving space is your best friend and giving the track room to breathe. And the the thing is, is, and I talk about this a lot in my engineering reacts videos that I do on my YouTube channel. And I talk about the fact that you need contrast in your mix. You need the ups and downs of a song. You need the ebb and flow. Everything kind of needs its counterpart. Otherwise, something doesn't sound as epic. If you have a song that's just pure epicness, like purely full force ahead, all that kind of stuff. You don't think it's epic anymore, especially after a minute in, because you don't have the contrast between something else. So it just kind of starts to sound the same and it's no up and down in that sense. But if you added a section in there that was a little bit less epic, still maybe epic in a different way, maybe whatever it is, however you define the different sections of your song, epic might not be the word that you would use, who knows? But the point still remains the same. You need the contrast. And that goes along with, and that's kind of the same idea as you need space. So from a songwriting perspective first, we'll talk about the kind of the, the writing of it and then the actual engineering side of this, um, because it's what he was talking about was frankly almost more about the actual engineering of it as well as the songwriting, because he's a producer engineer as well. In the songwriting, you need space. You need to create those ebbs and flows in the song. You need to create that contrast. The really good songs that you hear aren't the same thing the whole time. Maybe they have a lot of the same thing, but they don't have the same thing every time. And even if it's the chord, same chord progression, even if it's the same basic structure, uh, it still changes in the tones, in the delivery of the vocal. You don't just have an epic delivery the whole time where you're just, you know, high notes the whole time because you need the contrast of the kind of soft whispery stuff. And depending on the, of the subject of the song, you may uh, be able to emphasize certain words and certain lines and the emotion of it way better if you can put that contrast in there, if you can put those ups and downs in the song. Because you need to grow every story, you know, a song is a story essentially. And so when you write that, you need to kind of have the setup. You need to have something to get it, get you understanding what's happening before you can get to the climax, to the big fight scene, to whatever it is in your, in your story. Same with a song. You need to somehow build the contrast. Even if it starts out really epic, you need to be able to drop it down to kind of a more reasonable thing. And then it kind of builds back up and that build that tension. And this is another thing that I talk about a lot is the tension and release. You need to build tension, but people aren't going to like it if all it is, is building tension because they don't like that. They don't want to just be it just tense, just purely tensed up is not good. You need to have that release. And that release is what drives people to really like the song. And 
So you need that contrast. Again, tension and release. They're contrasting elements. So a nice way to create the, the release is to give space. So let's just say you have like a, a, a typical rock song and you're going full steam ahead, all eighth notes, 16th notes, whatever, massive double kick drum, you know, well, I guess we're metal now. But anyway, if you're doing that, the whole time it starts to be a little bit like, okay, when is this going to like do something? So you have to add the release of that, which is some big chords, some not eighth notes, maybe quarter notes or, or whole bar kind of big held chords with some big soaring vocal line over it. That's a very common tactic that a lot of metal bands use that a lot of rock bands use. It doesn't have to be that way at all. I'm not saying that that's the way that it has to has to play out, but the idea of that is how can you create tension and release? And often you find that the the bands and these artists that do really well are the ones that create that tension and release and that those contrasts within their song in different ways compared to everybody else. Typically, the standard structure is, you know, an intro and then a verse one, verse uh, that goes to pre-chorus, chorus, verse two, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus, out. And typically people think, okay, by that structure, you need the intro kind of eases in the verse and then it grows in the pre-chorus and then it's the biggest in the chorus and then it drops back down to the verse. But there's a, often there are, there are songs that come out that it's big in the verse. The verse is the hugest sonic part and then the chorus drops down and becomes that spacious release in there in a different way, in a broken down way. So it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you're creating that space and that contrast in the track. So one of the things that Jay said in his uh, example was if you have an 18 tom drum fill going on and you do it every single time, it becomes less special. You need to create those special moments. So, you know, the, the big Tom fill in, um, in the air tonight, okay. Love my air drums. Um, <laughs> but that drum fill is so special and so iconic, not because it's super fancy, but because in the context of that song, especially it comes at the exact right time. And that's kind of it. That's the only big fancy drum fill in the track. So it really sticks out. Everything else is very simple. Everything. There's not a lot of other things like that in the track. So it stands out as a special moment in the song because of the space that's left around it. If you're doing that drum fill over and over and over again, then it becomes part of the loop. It becomes part of the status quo. It be just, it is normal. So it's not special anymore. Even if it's the coolest thing ever, it becomes, you become numb to that. And that's just how it is. If you eat ice cream every day, ice cream no longer becomes a treat in the same way that is it is if you eat it once a month, right? You see what I'm saying? That's what humans like to have. So that's what you have to kind of do in your songs and you have a three minute space or whatever to do it. So you have to be very selective with your moments. You need to create those special moments and those special moments are also what create kind of like in the air tonight. Those are the moments that create the memorable part that people want to go back and hear. These, those are the hummable parts. Those are the melodies that stand out the most because they're, they're different and they are unique in their own way because of the space surrounding it in terms of whatever that type of thing is, such as the drum fill. There isn't a lot of big drum fills in the song. Therefore, it stands out kind of like the big chorus melody. If you have a big chorus melody and a big verse melody and a big pre-chorus melody and they're all 
basically kind of very similar, it starts to become, you're numb to it. It's not cool anymore. But if you have a really unique chorus melody and a really unique uh, verse melody, that's fine as long as there's still a contrast. Maybe the chorus melody is long notes held out and big uh, soaring vocals and the verse has a really neat, memorable, um, but soft, softly performed vocal uh, melody in the verse. You see the contrast now because it's different enough. If it's too similar, you're not creating the space around it. You're not creating the differentiation factor to each section. Therefore, the whole thing starts to sound the same and people don't get the satisfaction of listening to it and they won't listen to it more often. Um, you'll see that in the very popular songs. That's what they do. Even the the new pop, the new pop songs that are very... I mean, not all of them, I have to say. I'm getting a little bit sick of some of them. But you still see that where they're packed full of great hooks, but the hooks are different enough that they become their own individual special moment in its in each one of them, not the same thing the whole song. And I think that's really important, especially when I look at different songs by metal people. They have to differentiate in the sonic realm as well because it is supposed to be a big wall of sound half the time, and that's kind of what it is. And a recent one that I looked at on my channel was a, a band called Beartooth, and this is where I start to get into um, the more engineering sonic part of things as well. And they have to differentiate it with space around what they're doing. So they did the same kind of thing where the verses are very massive and full on. And then in the chorus, they create space with making the parts longer and more held out. And the drums kind of half-timed in that section to give them more space. And this this goes even uh, even further in the sonic realm because... There's a million different ways to layer things. And, and if you've watched any of my breakdowns, my, my track breakdowns and my mix breakdowns that I've done, and I, I continue to do them on my channel, there's a very obvious thing that I like to do. And that is I layer a lot of stuff <laughs> and I loved layering and it makes a thicker sound, but you have to be careful when you're layering something for a sonic purpose or when you're layering something thinking it's a layer, that's another thing. For instance, if you have a million harmonies on one part, and you're kind of doing every harmony you can think of, it becomes not cool anymore because maybe as you created it, you can hear each part and you think that part's really cool, that part's really cool, that part's really cool. And each individually is really cool, but there's no space in there if you put them all in there, which means nobody can really pick out the thing that you're hearing. There's some science study or something, you can hear three things at a time, kind of something like that. And if people have to pay too much attention to the different elements in the track, they stop remembering any of them and they can't actually latch on to any of them. So ear candy things, those are different. You can put those in there and they're little bits, but the main melody the main harmonies and the main parts, you don't want to layer too many different chord progressions on top of each other or lead lines on top of each other or melodies on top of each other. The harmonies, you don't want too many harmonies on there unless you're creating a wall of, of harmonic sonic content. That's maybe what you're trying to achieve. And in that case, that is the point. And you're then leaving space in the verse or in the other parts of the song. But you need to be careful when you layer too many harmonies on one section if you want any of those individual harmonies to really stand out. And it comes down to mixing. Obviously, there's different ways to do that where you can kind of have the background stuff that you don't really hear, but then the one main harmony that sticks out more or the one or two that stick out more. But 
there's only so many notes. So if you layer them all on top of each other, then at some point all notes are playing at all times and it just is not memorable anymore, right? So you have to avoid doing that and you need to create that space. That's the, the hard part with music is there's always exceptions to every single thing because, well, that's how what you were actually trying to do. But you have to be conscious of the fact that that's what you're trying to do. You don't want to just layer stuff on there if you don't actually have a purpose for it. So if you look at um, my tracks... Some of my stuff, I love to layer, I love to add harmonies, I love to add guitar layers, especially guitar layers, but there's a purpose. The rhythm elements of the track are the same rhythm part with different layers, and I use those layers to then thicken up the chorus and break down the verse and whatever the fact may be. I have to write the parts correctly. I'm not doing 10 different types of, of rhythm parts. I'm doing different sonic layering so that the sonics play together to make something. But I'm leaving space for the lead parts, and I'm leaving space for the vocals. I'm leaving space in those aspects, because the rhythm is the rhythm, and the rhythm part, I want to stand out. So it's one rhythm part with maybe multiple layers of rhythm guitar with different sonic purposes for each one of them. How is it actually affecting the sound of the guitar in this section? I use that to build up the song and break down the song, because if you have one guitar part, that's good. If you have one guitar sound, you can boost it in level, but you don't really you can't really do anything else with it to kind of make the chorus more epic. In, in with, with with one guitar part, I know there's layers of different guitar parts, but with one guitar part, so with different layers, that's how you can do it instead. Because in the chorus, then you add another layer, it thickens out the guitar sound, and then in the verse, you can break it down and take that layer away, so it it makes it back to a bit smaller sounding in that sense. Still one guitar part itself. Then I add leads and I do different things with my leads, lead guitars and harmonies on the leads to accentuate the second part of the of different sections. And anyway, I'm not going to go into every every possibility that I do. Go check out my mix breakdowns on my channel. But the point that I'm saying is I don't add a million lead guitar parts, different lead guitar parts. I add layers sonic layers to a lead guitar part to craft a different guitar sound, but I don't actually expect somebody to hear each individual sonic aspect of the sound. It's supposed to blend together and make one thing, and I'm leaving space around it for other parts or just to have contrast to something else that has more parts. And that's really important. You don't want to overproduce in that way. You don't want to add too many layers because each layer and each element that you add has to have a purpose and a point to why it exists in the track. Otherwise, you're not going to hear it, nobody's going to hear it, and it's not going to be memorable. You need to make things memorable. And it's very obvious in modern pop where there's like no elements ever. <laughs> there's like, it's so broken down. If you listen to like Billie Eilish, you can tell they've done some really good stuff with a couple synths and a couple vocal parts. And it's really cool. It's really neatly crafted. So same with some of her vocal parts. She does the one vocal part with different, the layers of it and like doubling and tripling and whatever, a higher version of it, a more aggressive version of it, but it's the same part. So you remember the specific part not all the different layers, but the layers add to the sonic satisfaction of listening to it. So you got to think about that. How do all the things interact? 
And how does that build, how does that give you space around each element and in each section? Because it's not just the elements, it's also the whole section and the flow of the song. Again, you have to leave space and you have to have ebb and flow and tension and release in each song. So that's kind of the point and that's why I really resonated with what Jay said. And if you haven't checked out that episode, go check it out. It's it's awesome. Uh, a lot of great knowledge in there. We talked about so many different things. So go check that out. And I hope this just got you thinking about your own productions and how to make them a bit better and even the, the, even listening to other productions how they created space to allow you to feel each section even more so i think it's it's worth thinking about and analyzing your tracks how you do it in your own style because everybody has their own style i do a million guitar layers the next guy doesn't but adds more vocal layers or does some kind of neat thing with the vocal melodies themselves who knows but there's a million different options and i hope that you find yours and i hope that this gets you thinking about what your sonic sound is and how you create space in your production so that is it for this episode guys thank you so much for listening subscribe in your favorite podcast players wherever podcasts are found so that you can get each episode delivered right to you every wednesday so thanks so much for the support i will catch you in the next episode until then always be creating We'll